on week four of a series called It Really Works, and we're teaching about prayer. And uh, prayer really does work. You with me? And sometimes people don't see results, and they'll say something like, well, it's just God's will. And really, that may not be necessarily true, so we're looking at these things, and is there a part we play in causing prayer to work for us? And one big question would be this, while Jesus was on the earth, if you read the stories of people's encounters with Jesus, uh, you will see that a lot of the answers people got, not all of them, but a major chunk of them were based and attributed to the people who followed Jesus. You with me? He would say things like, be it unto you according to your faith, or as you believed, then you can receive. And on and on he said that again and again. And uh, the majority, two-thirds of the miracles that are written, like individual accounts of miracles, of people that followed after and got something from Jesus when he was on the earth, he attributed that to the individual's faith. So if that's the truth, then we maybe need to realize some of the things that we're going to get, or maybe a majority of the things we're going to receive and walk in, is based on our faith. And so that's a huge thing. And so then if we don't know what faith is, we don't know how it comes, uh, what it looks like once we have it then we could think, well, I've got it, but it's for some reason this faith thing doesn't work. You know, I heard somebody get great results, but it just doesn't work for me. You with me? And if that's the case, then, and if it doesn't work for us, then why not? And maybe we should look and see why and what it takes to really get answers to prayer. You with me? And then this, if I'm not getting answers to prayer, should I give up? That should be real easy. No. No. I should figure it out or do what I need to do to discover what it takes to start getting answered prayers. And what if I'm getting some answered prayers in some areas, but not in others? Is there something I can do to take myself further to get better answers to prayer and be successful in praying and receiving from the Lord. And so we're going to talk about that again today. And uh, if you were here, we started out in Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God. And it talks about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's not a natural struggle we are in, but it says against principalities and powers. Well, I would venture to say the majority of people have never seen a demon, but everybody in this world has encountered one. So we don't have to be afraid. And sometimes we've struggled and wrestled with things, and we didn't know that it was the devil. But when you start learning stuff like this, you can get real flaky and weird. Oh, we got to go to battle against the devil. Start screaming and yelling and stuff like that. And really, the battles we have against the devil, the majority of them are going to be thoughts, ideas, suggestions, things that come into your mind. You with me? And we need to realize that's where our great battle is. And it's not something that's like over-spiritual that we need to do battle against the devil. 
just controlling your thinking when it comes is where the battle is for a lot of it. You get what I'm saying? And some people in the world and in society we live in today, people don't know this, but there's a big chunk of society that's been yielding to the devil and they don't know it. Take God out of everything. Don't talk about a savior. Don't talk about absolute morals. Don't talk about work and receive. Get stuff free. All this kind of stuff, you know, take from the rich. Well, if you really knew the Bible, you would recognize that God said labor so you might have and that he would give wisdom so riches could come to you. And he said, if you will not work, you will not eat. And all that other stuff flies against the face of God's truth. There is no absolute morals, you know. Uh, we need to take care of the planet. And I'm not for, like, when we leave today, throwing our trash out the windows as we drive down the street. Praise the Lord, we don't have to do that. No, we should take care of it. But God is big, and when he built this place, he didn't build it so we were going to run out before he came back and we could mess it up so it would not exist anymore. We're out of food, you guys. I don't know what we're going to do. And the Lord's not coming back for like six years. Well, man, I wish he would have planned better or we would have been on the earth sooner. And so you see the godlessness in society. Now, I'm not for messing up the world, but, you know, when people say, well, we can't go into the wilderness, we can't hike, we can't fish, we can't do all this stuff, God made that stuff for us to enjoy. And if we don't know that, then we could start thinking down wrong paths and not realize we're really going against God, we're going against his word, and we think we're doing something great because we're saving the planet. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not like for, well, then we could just dump oil in the ocean and do, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying God made enough provision for mankind so that before he returns, we won't run out. Right? He's called El Shaddai in the Bible, which means the God who's more than enough and foresees and lays up in advance what you have need of. So we don't have to run out, and we're not going to, because we know what the end looks like from the Bible, but when you exclude the Bible from your thoughts, your ideas, you can come to some really strange conclusions and may not even realize that you're entertaining things that are not just not of God, but are just absolute downright lies. You with me? I knew you guys would be excited about this today. And that's all free. So Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we talked about uh, how we are to put on the full armor of God and how this will help us in our prayer life. And the very first thing we said, we've talked about the word of God, girding your loins with truth, which your loins are your core. So you could say this, get the in your core, in the depths of who you are, a general working of all the truth of the Bible. And then it goes on to say, like, put on righteousness. All the other pieces are specific truths out of the general truth you are to put on. In other words, if you do the first thing in that first piece of armor of girding your loins with truth, in it is the understanding of righteousness. 
in it is the understanding of your mind being on salvation. In it is what is the sword of the Spirit. And all those pieces, if they're uh, applied in our lives, he teaches us right here, we can win, we can get answers to prayer, because in this context is really teaching people how to be ready to pray and get answers in their life. And so when he said here in Ephesians, we don't wrestle in verse 12 against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, we, we probably shouldn't make more of that than, than we should. Is the devil real? Yeah. Should we get off in the ditch and really focus on him? And No. Anytime that people give an over-focus on the enemy, it's detrimental. Because, you know, the Bible said, he who keeps his mind stayed on the devil, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace. Right? Right? And so then the Bible said, whatever things are evil and about the devil, he said, think on these things and the God of peace will be with you. Right? No. He spoke just the opposite of that for peace. But it's interesting how you really have to kind of keep people in line with the truth. And people don't know the devil. We need to be after the devil. And years ago, I had gotten around some of that teaching. And you start getting your mind on the devil. And you're like, where would my peace go? He's real, but he doesn't need our attention. Thank you. That excitement. As a matter of fact, the less attention you give him, the better off you'll be. That doesn't mean he doesn't exist. It doesn't mean you don't deal with him. But that's not where my focus should be. And so here he said, we don't wrestle against natural things, but there is a wrestling here. And he said, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, there's going to be a day that there's going to be an onslaught and, you know, or some stuff's going to come against you. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong because he didn't say here, well, you must have done something wrong. He just said the evil day does come to people. And you're minding your own business and wham. Why? Why, Lord? Don't ask, why, Lord? What have I done wrong? That is not the first way to approach. If you're doing wrong, you already know it. Thank you. But don't, don't go looking for something that's wrong. Just keep heading toward the Lord and walking with him. But he said, so you can withstand. And then he said, verse 14, stand, having girded your waist with truth. And so we're going to talk about this part again. We did before, but I'm going to go into more detail about it because it is fundamental. And this subject I'm talking about today is fundamental for answered prayer. I mean, just flat out fundamental, period, what I'm going to talk about today. You know, he said, put on the whole armor of God, and he said, loins girt about with truth. So the first thing he said is there is a priority on the things God said, and the only place we can be assured that we know exactly what God said and what lines up with what God said is what he put in this book. You with me? So there has to be a priority on the book. And so while we're talking about prayer, I'm going to make a couple of statements to kind of get you thinking. 
people do want to see answers to prayer. And so usually what people do when they want answers to prayer is they pray, and then they look to see if their prayer was answered. Now, I'm going to talk about the Word and its place in you, but I think that's a good place to start, that there's a lot of people who pray and then look to see if it worked, to look to see, did it happen? But I'm going to say this, real prayer does not start there. And real prayer is really not in that place. Because a lot of people say, pray more, because you know, I didn't see it. And then we got 50 people praying, and because I didn't see it, pray more. And so people are looking over here, but that's really not where prayer is from or how prayer works. Now I'm going to explain this. Real prayer starts in the heart in the core of a person. You could say it like this, having your mind renewed is the key. See, most people are looking for a harvest to prove that their prayer worked. Let me say that again. Most people are looking for the results, a harvest, an answer, whatever you want to call it, to make sure that they know that they got it. You can tell they're not doing what the Bible teaches where prayer starts from the heart. They've gone away from that idea and they've looked for results. Somebody said, I want results. We all want results. God wants you to have results. But you can't pray and then look to the results to go, it's working or it's not working. Prayer starts in the heart. Prayer and relationship and victory starts inside first. Every farmer that you could ever know that has any sense would not first go to a field and look and go, why am I not getting a harvest? I, I need a harvest. Oh. Uh, a farmer wouldn't even expect a harvest unless he did something before that. Would you agree? He would take a seed and he would plant a seed first. He'd nurture it first. He'd water it for a period of time before he ever expected something to change in the scene. And there's a lot of people who pray and do nothing first and expect to see something change and get a harvest, but really prayer starts in the heart. It starts inward. In, and when we use the word heart, and we've said this before, literally in the core of the way you think and the way you process. And it starts there. And we know by looking at uh, farmer, we would go, yeah, of course it starts before what you see. Of course it starts before the end and what appears. But why do people pray and then look to see the end and haven't even done the first things? And Jesus taught faith of the heart starts by planting seeds in the heart. 
And that if we want to harvest and want to put in the sickle and want to get the answers, you don't look to the end. You know what I mean? Like, where is it? I'm looking out here. We do something about the core, and he called your heart or the core way you process. Not your spirit, but your core. He called that your heart. And he told us that really we're supposed to do something with our own hearts. And so you could say this, the reality that people are looking for out there meaning the answer doesn't start there or anything. I mean, that should be way on the back burner. The reality that you want to see is first a seed. Now, let me say this. The Bible is a book of realities that are not seen yet, right? The Bible, let me say it like this. If we want somebody to get born again, we'd say Jesus died and rose again and paid the price for you. That is a reality that they are not experiencing yet. We want them to see it, but we don't look to the end result. We have to plant the seed. And we tell them, listen, and if they accept that, they're starting to take hold of what is reality. We don't teach people, well, if you feel it or see it, you got it. We walk them to it, and if they do the right thing, they'll experience and know it. You with me? So you could say this, the Bible is a book of realities that are not always experienced as real in people, but can be. You with me? And so these are realities that we see in the Bible but somebody said, well, it's not real to me. No, you might not be experiencing it, but it is real. It is reality. And answers to prayer, is the book is full of it, chocked full of what it takes to get the reality from here out into your life or into my life. And so the heart is the key. The renewing of the mind is necessary for a life of answered prayer. And, and when I use those terms, renew your mind, we're going to attack that today because that, I think, has to be straightened out within us or we're going to miss the boat. Because a lot of people think when you talk about renewing the mind, that means memorize a few scriptures, be able to answer back in a crowd. Well, you know, the Bible said this. And that is not necessarily, it could be, the result of a renewed mind, but that's not necessarily a renewed mind because I heard a sermon or I could quote a scripture or I heard, well, by a stripes you're healed or resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That does not mean my mind is renewed. So we want to look at that because I want to know what a renewed mind looks like because then I know what it takes for me to get there because a renewed mind is necessary for answered prayer on an ongoing basis. Because here's the thing, a renewed mind affects the heart. And we're going to look at that. A renewed mind affects the heart. Now, you can't stop every thought, but, you know, negative ones that come. But we can do something to renew our mind. It is a process. It is something we can do. You know, and when our minds are renewed, our hearts become very confident in the Lord and before the Lord and before circumstances. And listen to this, before contrary circumstances. We just go, whatever. 
But if my heart is not there, it's because my mind is not there. You with me? And the only way my mind is going to get there is if I learned how to do what it takes to get it there. You know, the Bible tells us this in 1 John three nineteen. It talks about, now it's talking about walking in love, but it makes an interesting statement. He said, by this we shall assure our hearts before him and or persuade our hearts before him. And so who did he say has a responsibility to affect their own heart? We do. We have a part to play. Now, we can pray for others that they get the light of the word of God and that will get revealed to their heart. But there's things we can do to affect our heart. And he said you can assure or literally also means to persuade your heart. Persuade your heart before him. We know this in John 15, 7. He said, if you abide in me, in other words, you get saved, you give your life to me. Because remember this, John 15 is, you know, from John 13 to John 17 was just a couple days before Jesus died. And that whole teaching, all that stuff was stuff to be implemented after he rose from the dead. So this scripture right here was to be implemented after he rose from the dead. And he said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, in other words, you get saved, you give your life to me and you let my word abide in you. He said, once it gets in your heart, he said, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Now, that's not just pie in the sky, but that does tell me then that if I do something to have his word abide in me, and wherever that word starts abiding concerning areas and topics is where I will start to get results. You with me? And so he gave us specific instructions. And so no matter how young or how old you are, you could start to do something to get results in prayer. And it really comes by renewing your mind. And so I wrote this down. We need to worry or ponder the word. Now, I know worry is a negative term, but we know what worry looks like. If we really want to renew our minds, we've got to worry the word. And the reason I use that term also is because sometimes when you tell people, hey, you need to think on the word and ponder the truth on a regular basis, they'll say, I don't got time. I'm busy. I got work. I, I got a life, man. But if you told somebody, do you worry all the time? Oh, I worry at work. I worry at home. I worry at the baseball field with the kids. I worry at the soccer field. I worry when I'm in bed at night. I worry all the time. Why don't you just say, well, I don't got time for that. I'm busy. I'm just busy right now because, you know, I'm busy. I'd worry, devil, but I'm busy. No, here's what you need to understand. You and I and every single person ever born into this earth was of God's original creation and design. So he designed you to worry. You know what I'm saying by that? I'm using it in a positive way. In other words, you have the internal mechanisms built into you by the creator to ponder all the time. 
good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. You were created to do that. So you can get self-help people to say, you need to think on the positive things of life. And other people, you know, you do this. Well, they're figuring out that there is a part of you that you have some control over, and it can have some effect. But when General Motors or Ford made, like, their cars, you know, they made them to run on gas, and if you choose to put dirt in it, you know, I remember years ago with my family, we went to my grandmother's house and I was in the back seat and I heard them say, we're going to run out of gas before we got home. Well, I'm a little kid and I'm thinking, great, this is not good. And I remember learning right away, which is false, that, and they don't talk like this anymore, but it came from fossil fuels, oil, what went into the earth and then made oil and stuff like that. Now, God put that stuff there. You with me? So we could tap it once we got the knowledge and connect it to other knowledges we got and make gasoline and make things to burn stuff and create other things. And so I thought whatever goes into the ground makes gasoline. And I knew back then that leaded gas had a red tint to it, so that it was fall. So I just took some leaves that had fallen off the tree that were red and shoved them in the gas tank, put dirt in there and went, put the garden hose in and filled it up. Fill her up. Regular gas, full tank. My pleasure. They drove around the corner, my mom and dad, and then their friends, and they went, uh, 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 uh. And they thought, he said, well, it says full, you know, or it looks like this. And they didn't remember we didn't have enough to get home. And, you know, so watch what you say if you don't mean it. <laughs> and so I literally made them a full tank of gas but that car was not created to run that way. Ford, General Motors, whoever it was that made cars didn't make them like that. And you're not made to worry or ponder the wrong things. You're made to ponder the truth. And the result will be peace and confidence and assurance. But if you just say, well, I don't have time for that, you're saying, I don't have time to fuel myself and to establish my heart in the truths of God so that I could get answers to prayer or go places that I need to go with God and win victories I need to walk in because I just got all this other stuff and maybe I've sucked something into me that's got my thinking wrong. I mean, just try this for a while. Think on problems for a while and see what it produces. Think on the answer for a while. See what it produces. And it will begin to affect your heart. So by whatever we dwell on, uh, bad or good, it's going to start producing things in our lives. And we need to realize that. God made you a new person in Christ when you received Jesus. Your spirit is new. And your heart has been influenced by the new birth once you've given your life to the Lord. That's why you enjoy God, but there's still a part where you're called, and turn here to James 5, to work on your own heart. You are called to affect the core of yourself. You and I, as believers, are called to do something to affect our core. And I use that term heart because when we talk the heart of a matter, we mean the core of the matter. We talk about, you know, the heart as something deep down inside, just the way you process, the way you look at things. And so I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. You with me? And the key really is uh, 
even though I have a responsibility to it, what does it look like? How do I do this? What is this? And so we're going to look at a couple things real quick. James, the fifth chapter, notice this in the eighth verse. It says, you also be patient or consistent. Establish your hearts. Get them fixed. Or when I say fixed, I don't mean like fixed like well, I fixed the flat tire. Fixed means firm and planted. And so it'd be more like, did you put a fence post right there? Is it fixed in place? And you go and move the thing? It's not established yet. So you'd want to put cement around it or gravel or sand and pack it down. And then if you went and said, is this thing fixed? And it didn't move, you say, yep, it's fixed. It's established. That's what we need to do with our heart. And he told us to do it. And he talks about this in the context of before his second return. Somebody said, well, I got time. We'll just skip that thought. Uh, James, the fourth chapter in the eighth verse, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners or people practicing wrong. In other words, get rid of it. And he said, purify your hearts. Who did he tell to purify their heart? The individual. Who was he writing to? Christians. Now, your spirit is clean. You are righteous. You are accepted before God right now. But we do know that things proceed out of the heart, and I have a part to play in what gets in and what comes out. You with me? Everybody does. Some people are raised in a worrisome atmosphere. Some people are raised in a sinful atmosphere, and it's okay for them to have sex outside of marriage because you just do that, and you just do that, and you're okay. And then they hear a truth that says, hey, don't do that, and they think, why am I struggling? I'm saved. Why am I struggling with this? The Lord said, don't do it. Because when your heart's not fixed, the Bible said, out of your heart proceeds fornication. And though I know in my spirit this is not right, and I see it in the Word, I've got to work to establish my heart. That's why in our society, why is it becoming immoral? Because behind the scenes in Hollywood and different places, and in the music industry, there's been tons of immorality, and all this immorality, people spend hours and hours in front of the TV, in front of the radio, and listening, and putting that in front of them, and filling themselves. And like one man said, you can't spend hours in front of the light of TV, and a little bit in front of the light of the Word, and think you're going to be transformed. You know what I mean? And so we need to understand when we do that, we're all made the same to ponder, to imagine, and people can get an appetite for bad and still love God. And we see them, and if you've been around for a while, you go, man, what a bummer, but you could watch, it's a process, and it can be subtle. At first, you're like, this is wrong. After a while, it's okay. Then you start justifying, it's because why? We're just pondering, pondering, pondering. Now here he said, purify your hearts, you double-minded, or people who hold to two opinions. The way I think and the way my opinions are affect my heart. As a matter of fact, Luke 21, 
26 tells us this. Jesus talked about before he comes back again the second time. Uh, he said, man's hearts. Now, he's not talking about their physical. He's talking about the way they believed. The way they believe, he said, they'll fail them for fear. In other words, fear will get in their hearts. And then he tells you why. He said, because they will be focused on all the stuff that's coming into the world. And isn't it easier today to do that than ever? I mean, it's been, what, 18 years since the World Trade Center was blown up. You know, the planes flew into it. But when that happened way back there, way back then, I remember you could not turn on the TV without seeing a rerun. And people were fixated on it. And they would watch TV, and if you remember that, for weeks you could turn it on and you saw that plane, boom, 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 into it. People running, people running, people paranoid, people full of fear. If you were in the church back then, churches tripled in size in one week because people freaked out. After it disappeared and the media stopped feeding them fear, they thought, oh my goodness, the end is near. we got to fix something. It tells you there's a trigger in people, but they didn't do anything to maintain that, and so they just went back, and churches went back to where they were. If they were growing, they're still growing or whatever. You know what I mean? And so people did that because it just fed, fed, fed. And people were afraid. Well, the Bible tells us when we focus on things, it can have an effect on us, positive or negative. So I want to say this, focus fills. Wherever you focus, you fill. Whatever you focus on, it doesn't matter what it is, but wherever your mind energy is, you start filling yourself, whether you like it or not. Good, bad, or indifferent. Wherever I focus, and remember, that car was made to run on gas. You are made to live by the truth. And so the Bible tells us this. He said, labor to enter the rest. Notice that phrase, labor, work, to enter rest. This is huge, what I'm about to say. The rest that the Bible talks about believers are to enter into is literally this. The works that God did in the beginning, he told them there's a rest for the people of God. Some people think today you need to keep the Sabbath and one day and seven because God finished the work and you need to enter rest. No, that's not the rest we're called to in Hebrews. The rest that you and I as believers are called to is not take off a Saturday, or, which is the Sabbath, or people will argue for Sunday because there's biblical reasons. But that is not the rest we're called to. Should we rest? Can we rest? Sure, but that is not the rest we're called to. Read the context. And he's teaching this, all the works that Christ bought and paid for are already ours. You've got to labor to enter into rest. What does it mean to enter into rest? It means instead of you laboring trying to get it, I got to get healed. I got to get saved. I got to get peace. I got to get joy from the Lord. I got to get good standing from God. No, you need to labor to enter into resting or 
trusting and relying, it's mine now. Before I see it, it's just mine. So when he talks about laboring and entering into rest, he's basically saying, labor, do your due. You labor to get yourself into a place where you believe and you are self-assured that this stuff is already yours before you ever see it. That's what your mind being renewed looks like. If you read the context, and we'll turn there to Hebrews 4, he said, these people did not enter into the promises. He's given an example. He said, they never got the answers to their faith. They never entered into victory. They didn't get the answers to their prayers because it's the context. It says, because of their unbelief. And literally, unbelief in this context means they would not be self-persuaded that what God promised was so. They would not allow themselves to be persuaded. They didn't do what it took to persuade themselves. They looked at all the circumstances. They said, they're giants. We can't do it. And so they didn't get self-persuaded. But notice in the 11th verse, Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent, that's the word labor, to enter, in the King James it says that, that rest, lest anyone fall short or, or fall according to the same example of disobedience, and the King James says unbelief. So he tells us to labor to get to this point. What does this labor look like? I have to self-persuade myself. If you really know the Bible and you start scanning through it, when did Abraham finally get victory in his body and start producing miracles in his life? You know, Abraham got his faith to the point where it said he could believe to have his son raised from the dead, and he wasn't even saved. But remember what it says, the key at that point he'd gotten so far, it said before he did anything, before he saw the harvest, it said he received in a figurative sense his answer. In other words, he so was self-persuaded, he saw that God would do this, not just one imagination, he had so pondered God and so persuaded himself that he went, I don't care what I do, God, you told me this child would produce and there would be seeds from him. So if you tell me to do this, I'll do it. And you'll raise him back. He said he received him as raised from the dead before he did anything. In other words, he didn't look to see an answer. He had the answer already in his heart. But what changed him before that to first get his first big miracle, uh, or I should say one of different ones, but the one of having a child when he couldn't have a child and his wife couldn't, it said he became fully persuaded that what God had promised, he persuaded himself. He listened to God and he started thinking in line. And then it said he wasn't moved by what he saw. Remember, I said so many people are praying and trying to see the answer. And really, they're not self-persuaded. They're trying to get a harvest with no seeds in themselves. And Abraham became fully persuaded before he ever saw the answer, he went, it's finally mine. And his body looked 
dead. Sarah's body looked dead. And he said, glory to God. I believe God's able right now. Hallelujah. I got the goods. And you know what? Then his body changed. Then her body changed. Because the harvest always starts in your heart. And you got to persuade yourself. Paul said, I'm fully persuaded that neither angels, principalities, demon powers, nakedness, peril, attacks, anything that comes against me will prevail. Where did he get like that? Abraham was fully convinced. But what's cool about Abraham was we saw the early days of Abraham and Sarah, they weren't fully convinced. I said they weren't fully convinced. Let me say this. Faith, the Bible said, is the victory, First John said, that overcomes the world. Faith is of the heart. But what is the definition of faith? Two of the meanings from the Greek are literally a conviction so if I have a conviction that you're coming today, then I would talk to Pastor Linda and said, hey, they're coming today. I have a conviction about that. So if I said, hey, I wonder if they're coming today. Is that a conviction? The other word is, is an assurance. Hey, do you think they're coming today? I don't know. Me either. We got faith. No, we called faith whatever we wanted to call it, but we weren't convicted, convinced, assured. But where do I get faith? Where do I get assurance and conviction? Through the word. But do I get it just because I say, the Bible said God loves you. You have to accept that and take it and be, yeah, I take that. I'm going to change my thinking in line with what the word of God says, come hell or high water Come whatever the world wants to think. I have authority over my own thoughts. Not always what comes, but what I entertain. And, and here's what's interesting. Because you say something like this and people go, oh, this should be pretty easy. Uh, maybe not when you start. But you get this in motion and it will start becoming habitual and your confidence will grow, and you'll just think, it don't matter what. We can do this, and I can get results, and you can get results, and we can make this happen. But here's the thing. Were you still there in yeah. Hebrews 11, or in the Bible at least? You can only, if you're in the Bible, you can get there from there. Amen? He said, let us therefore be diligent. The King James said, let us therefore labor. To labor, to rest in the facts that he's already done it for me is my part. I got to labor. Here's the word labor in the dictionary. Work hard. Make great effort. They labored from dawn to dusk. When do you worry? Dawn to dusk. When do you ponder the truth? Dawn to dusk. Yeah, but what about my TV programs? I'm not saying you can't watch TV programs, but maybe there's some things that just don't help you ponder right. Is it okay to watch sports? Yeah, but don't become Mr. Sports Center. You know, there's some people who could quote, and, and you know where their head's at because they're just full of sports, and they'll tell you this, that, and the other, and they haven't even set out to memorize it. 
And they could tell you more about sports teams without trying than most people can scriptures. It's why? Because they're filling their heart. And the big thing is, you can fill your heart with that stuff, but you'll just be shooting blanks from that area. So it's okay, but make sure you've got some bullets also that can have some effect. You know what I'm talking about? I can know about teams. I can know about certain things. But if you're not loading your heart with real bullets, faith bullets, then we need to fire it sometime. So they labored from dawn to dusk, synonyms, work hard, toil, slave away, plod away, grind away, sweat away, struggle, strive, exert oneself. This is labor, overwork, work one's fingers to the bone, keep one's nose to the grindstone. But remember this, all these have a result of peace in the heart, confidence in the heart. Some people have thought it's too hard, so they've given their imagination to whatever has fed them, but it has robbed them at the same time of confidence before God, peace and assurance in their heart, and then the results that follow. It means to plug away, put one's back into something, a project on which he had labored for many years. So to really... So really, we need to deal with, when he's talking about this, doubts. Jesus talked about, if you believe in doubt, not. So we need to realize a lot of our entertainment should be toward the truth, but we should be careful about doubts. A lot of times, people approach prayer and are not confident. They're praying to see if. You can change that by what you do on a regular basis concerning your own personal imagination. And so really, when a person will renew their mind enough in an area, and you start getting confident in that area, prayer will work there. And it doesn't have to take a long time because people started getting persuaded when Jesus was around. And here's the thing, if you'll just look at Jesus' life and the people that received then, what, what they did, they didn't hear for 40 years. They didn't think, well, I just got to read, 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 read. I just read, read, read. I was thinking on the problem, but I'm reading. They didn't do that. They heard it. They accepted it. And they went on. And then they put their mind there. And then they started acting on it. And we could be trained in worry and trained in fear. And you got to renew your mind. There, thank you for your excitement there. But if you just think how Jesus was, how he worked, and all those things, and then look at the responses of people when they came in faith, they went, they said, do you believe I'm able? And they would say, I don't know. Give it a shot, Jesus. He said, all right, that's faith. No, it was always with conviction after they heard. So where does that conviction in my heart come from? It comes from a change in my mentality. Not just hearing the truth, accepting it and going, this is the way we go. This is God's, this is God's word. No wonder 
transformation, according to the Bible, comes by renewing the mind. Renewing the mind, you could say that this is, is becoming inwardly persuaded based over changing patterns of thought in line with what God says. You with me? And I'm going to have to call it quits, but I'll make this statement. As we do this with our minds, renewing our minds, then as our minds are renewed, change will not be a big effort. Somebody said, you just talked about a big effort. Right, but what I'm saying is renewing the mind makes it so those changes are not a big effort. There's a lot of people who are putting a lot of effort into getting change and getting answers to prayer. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? But you know how much effort the farmer puts in to make those seeds grow? No, the seeds produce on their own. But he does labor. You get where I'm coming from? And so when we get our minds renewed and really start thinking on certain lines, like this is mine, this is how I've got it, change is not where the big effort then is. Why do people keep going back to the old things that they go to? That's where they entertain. That's what they've allowed into their heart. But then they're trying to stop. Don't labor there. Labor in changing the way you think. You'll find your change will come from that because the Bible plainly states when you get a renewed mind or you become inwardly persuaded, your life, your prayer life, your faith life will be transformed. 